Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrel pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, opening day passed. Real baseball is upon us. And to celebrate that, to commemorate that, I'm going to do... I'm going to reach into the well, and I'm going to do one of our favorite things, and I'm going to throw it on you impromptu. I didn't even tell you I was going to do this. Are you ready? It's not really a bad take dramatic reading. It's just a little bit of, you know, reading a whole paragraph from an article, which is our specialty. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Are you ready? I'm going to read you the paragraph, then I want you to guess who wrote it. Okay. Bryce Harper has all the makings of a slow start in Philadelphia. Late start to spring training. This This was from before the season started, obviously. Late start to spring training few plate appearances, and the pressure of trying to make a big first impression with a new team. The big ticket item last year, Giancarlo Stanton, hit 227 and slugged 455 in his first 34 games after his trade from the Marlins to the Yankees. After the typical break-in period, Stanton hit 276, 351, 524, right in line with his career slash line of 268, 358, 548. By the way, how long is that 13-year commitment between the Phillies and Harper? Only two, well, 13 years, but only two outfielders have ever played that long with the Phillies. None in the past 75 years. Alex, who do you think wrote that paragraph? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I need, to go, I need to go back to the well of uh, a columnist we've dunked on the most on this podcast. You don't need to go uh, that far deep into the well. <laughs> <laughs> not that far deep in the well. Okay, so it's not going to be Phil Mushnick. No, although I uh, wish. Yeah. Miss that guy. Yeah, I miss that guy. You should bring him back. <laughs> uh, Bob Nightingale? No. Tom Hold Verducci. The, yes. There he goes. All right. Okay. <laughs> Tom like, Verducci. There's a pretty limited, limited pool of people we've talked we Tom Verducci wrote that in his, uh, in his Opening Day Has Arrived column, essentially. The title is Opening Day Has Arrived. Carlos Correa will shine in 2019 while Bryce Harper may start slow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Here's Bryce Harper's slash line so far. 429, 556, 1214. He has an OPS of 1770. <laughs> Do you think he started slow, Alex? He's already hit three home runs. Uh, yeah, he started extremely slow. And if you ask, I mean, if you ask Nationals fans, I think he doesn't even exist. Like, is Bryce Harper even a good baseball player? No, he's actually not. No, no he's washed. Uh, here's another headline from Tom Berdushi just less than a week later after he said that Bryce Harper would start slow. With a flip of his bat, Bryce Harper begins next chapter of his career. So Tom is ah, already... Ah, there it is. He's already flipped back, you know? He's flipping faster than Bryce Harper's bat right now. <laughs> That's a corny joke. Um, yep. All right, we're going to talk a little bit more about the week in Bryce as we, as we are wont to do. But before we do that, I'm Bobby Wagner. I'm Alex Baisley. And this is Tipping Pitches. All right, Alex, Bryce Harper had maybe the loudest week, the loudest first week for a player in a new uniform that I can remember, maybe in my lifetime. There was such a perfect confluence of events for him to have the most flashy week that a baseball player can possibly have. Usually in the opening week, it's like everyone's kind of getting their feet wet. They're 
getting accustomed to the new season, getting accustomed to seeing live pitches, that kind of stuff. Well, Bryce Harper did not care for any of that, and he wasted no time. I listed off a couple of his stats earlier, but also he obviously had the highlight moments that you want from someone who is often thought to be the face of baseball now on a new team, and he's trying to embrace his new city and have them embrace him. Uh, So I've been watching a lot of Bryce this week because he plays in my division still somehow. We had the most ridiculously cataloged free agency of all time, and he still ended up somehow closer to home than he was before. Um, How have you been digesting the week in Bryce? Have you been watching a lot of him? Uh, I've been uh, watching his pandering unfold on social media at the very least. Uh, I've been I've been trying to watch the games of his that I could, uh, like his first game in a Phillies uniform, uh, when he bowed to the right field crowd, his dramatic bow, and then his insanely hyped up uh, double fist pump into the air. I was like, all right, I'm I'm ready for 162 games of Bryce Harper going 110 percent in a Phillies uniform. So uh, so it's been exciting, I think, to say the least. I'm almost like concerned for him that he's going to like burn out too early. Not in the sense that like I think he's going to like start to be bad or whatever. Like I don't, I don't really think that has anything to do with how hard you try in the first week of the season. I mean more like he's going to run out of like things to do. We've I've yeah. just had so much Bryce overload. It's like when you eat too much of the same thing for like a week straight and then you don't eat it for like a year or whatever. I'm just yeah. worried that he's going to run out of like you know, ways to flip his hair or bats to flip or bows to do or enemies to make or pandering or like coordinated PR to execute, you know? Uh, I wonder if that like, if we'll get a little bit tired of him. I know that Philly will get a little bit tired of him. If he continues to do this and he's like pandering like this and not hitting 450, I know the Phillies fans will be like, Yo, I fucking hate this guy. Let's get this guy out of here. <laughs> yeah, of course. But if he puts up another MVP season, they're going to be like, he can do whatever the hell he wants. Like, give him the key to the city. It certainly looks like he's on his way to another 2015. I mean, Verducci, in the second article where he's effusively praising Bryce Harper, has a line in there. He, he defended himself. He defended his uh, original take. And he has a line in there saying that Harper is one of the best April hitters of all time. I think it was like him and like maybe Ken Griffey Jr. and Barry Bonds or something like that, or like up there as the greatest April hitters of all time, but that Bryce Harper sort of falls out or falls off the table a little bit in like May and June. I don't know. I don't have it in front of me anymore because I, I don't like to have Sports Illustrated's website open if I don't absolutely have to because it's so so offensive to me with all of the yeah. pop-up videos and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, But I don't know. I just feel like he looks so good in a Phillies uniform. It's like, I've been so conflicted with wanting him to do, wanting him to do well, just to throw it back in the stupid Nationals faces, Nationals fan faces for how they've been acting since he came back to his return to Washington. Can we just talk about that for a little bit? Like the reception of him was so classless. I hate to use that word, but like <laughs> the the way that Nationals fans treated him coming back, it's like God. It made me so angry. I like I. I <laughs> I'm almost conflicted about it. I at, hope you go the point. other way on I, this. Yeah, I'm really. <laughs> I'm almost going to go the other way on it. Not that like I generally speaking, like I'm not really in favor of booing players, especially just for like taking more money than your owner was willing to pay him. Like you should clearly be boo- booing your front office over booing Bryce Harper. But at a certain point, 
Yes. It was like it was like so <laughs> slippery slope the, argument. Oh, Here it goes. It was, no, it was just so over the top and comedic. Like, all right, you're gonna boo Bryce Harper, fine, but you're gonna show up. Uh, you're gonna coordinate. Um, you know, f- uh, seven people to. I like Earth, how you had to spell right. traitor in your head. Yep, I was spelling traitor in my head. Seven <laughs> six. What is it? T R A I T O R seven. All right. If this is gonna, what people come here for. <laughs> if you're, <laughs> you're going to coordinate uh, with yourself and six other people to spell out the word uh, traitor on your shirts in right field, or you're going to deface the jersey that you spent $180 on so that you can <laughs> spell harpoop instead of harper, harpoop like, is so uh, <laughs> which is a real thing that someone did. Like, I kind of just have to laugh. Like, baseball fandom is so irrational and dumb that, like, I understand that fans do stupid things when they feel pain, when they feel scorned. And especially because Harper is, like, so playing into the part of the heel, right? And, like, making it clear that, like, he doesn't really want to come back. He he didn't want to come back to D.C. And he did his dramatic bow to Nationals fans again and and was jeered for that. So I think it's—they it's, uh, they balance each other out, I think. I guess— Here's my thing. It's not his fault that the Nationals gave him a fake $300 million offer that was going to be deferred until 2050. No. And that his AAV was going to be way lower than any other team that was offering him. And that they just put out this offer for good PR for themselves to make it look like they weren't going to let him walk from from the very beginning, which the very beginning was three years ago. They were going to let him walk from way back then. It didn't matter if they won a title. It didn't matter if they never had playoff success like like is the case. It didn't matter. They were letting him walk. And to try to pretend like anything else was the case is just in bad faith. And I know all owners operate in bad faith and all, most front offices operate in bad faith also. I just don't get how he comes back and you just boo him. I don't, like, I don't understand that like, he gave you the first however many years of his career, right? When did he come up? Like seven years ago? And he's yeah. the best player in franchise history. He gave you so many great moments, the only good moments from the last seven years because y'all have choked in the playoffs every time and you can't blame him for that. You can't blame one position player for that. There are forces beyond our control at work and the Nationals' failures in the playoffs. And he was, from everything that I've read and and from everything that I'm, I've observed as I've watched Bryce, seems like a really good teammate, seems like a good hang, seems like he cared about his time living in Washington, and just because he wants to move on doesn't mean you should shower him in 90% booze in his first time back. It's just <laughs> fucking lame. I, I just, like, he, he didn't even, like, spurn them. Like, you could argue that LeBron spurned Cleveland, even though I think it was dumb the way that they treated him when he left Cleveland. You can't even argue that Bryce spurned the Nationals. They didn't even try. I know. I mean, I guess it, it's one thing if... The one argument that I'll listen to is that he went to a division rival, I guess. But, like, the Phillies and the Nationals yeah, aren't really whatever. rivals. Like, what are we doing here? Like, these teams have never been good at the same time. Like, ever. Literally never. Since the Nationals moved from Montreal, they were bad. And the Phillies were good. And then when the Nationals got good, the Phillies got historically bad and were losing, like, 110 games. So there's not really a rivalry there. It just well, happened like- to be the team in the Northeast Corridor that he got offered the most money by, even though he clearly wants to be a New Yorker so badly and he just won't admit it to himself. 
He like he doesn't owe you anything. Like no. if your team doesn't if he doesn't want if your team doesn't want to pay him, it's not like he has an obligation to be like, well, since I spent some time with you guys, I at least won't go to a division rival. I'll just cross out like a third of the teams in the NL just just out of the the goodness of my heart. Like I think that that's uh that's funny. Um, he has managed to piss off like all of the uh the elite like DC. Uh, po- politics media who are like big Nationals <laughs> fans, you know? Uh, there was some like awful tweet today by a dude whose name I don't even remember um, and, and because I don't care about him um, who said that uh, like Harper's antics are worse than anything going on in Congress right now. Wow. And uh, that's like the next and, level. <laughs> and, and frankly, Bryce Harper may just be my favorite player just because he's causing these like visceral reactions to Nationals fans who are like, I'm actually uh, I'm actually not mad. I'm actually glad he's not on our team. I mean, I'm going to go home and cry for the next four months, but like, I'm actually really glad that he's not doing this stupid stuff like hitting 330 and 40 home runs with us. <laughs> They're like extremely, I'm not triggered right now, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's like, we didn't even like him anyway. Get, yeah. Have fun choking in the playoffs, even though your team is better than our team. Yeah, like that, like the, the Nationals team account tweeted out, Thank you. Next. Oh my god! During, I was during so that, after mad you, like, when that happened. When he Jesus had a home run and bat flipped on them, I was just like, "Fuck yeah, dude!" Hell yeah! He's, Bryce Harper is on my least favorite team in the league, and he might be my favorite player in the league. Yeah. Well, I also that the that entire outfield. I mean, he's like he fits so well with that team, right? Like he already a week in, and he already has. Uh, like handshakes with every single player like that team is just so fun and he seems like he's enjoying himself so much that like you know you asked at the start of this segment like are we gonna grow tired of this and it's like yeah we might but like I kind of feel like he won't like he's having a ton of fun right now and so honestly more more power to him I don't know I I don't know if he's having a ton of fun right now because I don't know if he truly like it's dumb to speculate like this. However, someone who talks this much about loving Philadelphia cannot possibly love Philadelphia because people who are truly from Philadelphia, real Philadelphians are like, this place sucks. Yeah. Yeah, and but he's not a Philadelphian. He's like straight- the dude who just moved there and is like, wow, this is amazing. He's he's the the, the freshman who just uh, went to NYU. And yes. He's like, I'm yes. going to go hang out in Times Square. Exactly. That's literally <laughs> the exact comparison I was about to make. He's the freshman yeah. who goes to a college who's like having a terrible time, but is going to the football games or whatever, like, and at the tailgates and posting on Instagram and making it seem like the most fun time they've ever had in their life. That's what he, yeah. That's what he's coming off as right now. And... You might it might turn out to be genuine in the long run. Like he might just love Fishtown as it gets gentrified or whatever. But I don't know, man. If I loved a place this much, I wouldn't be talking about it this much. I'd just be just like hanging, you know? I'd just be doing it. I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, like what in his life has told me that he wouldn't act this way? So I, he, yeah. there's no way, there's no sense in trying to read into Bryce Harper's mind. Um, I guess we should probably move on and not spend the first hour of this podcast talking about Bryce Harper. But we uh, could, we we could do that. We could easily just keep going, but we'll we'll save we'll save the people. Um, I guess the last thing that I wanted to mention before we move on from Bryce is the like weird. Uh, <laughs> so the PR campaign has been roundly criticized, but also it's like it's not bad for the world or anything like that. So people have just been ca- kind of like, "This is corny," but like, there's nothing to really get mad about here. But the one thing that like crossed the line for some people, which I thought was weird, 
was like his Instagram announcement that him and his wife are going to have a baby. And everyone was like, all right, guys, this is too far. Like, what? Did, did you, I saw a weird corner of Twitter when this happened where, where they were like, using your pregnant wife and uh, your baby that's coming to like further your PR campaign to love Philadelphia. Oh. Because like the caption was all like, couldn't think of a better place to raise my kid that's going to be in the world in seven months than Philly, my new hashtag city, bro. You know, like the caption was very like, it, it was like tied to now living in Philadelphia very heavily, which made it yeah. seem like it was like all also part of this like pander. Like we need to come up with a very, uh, like a more concise name for this, like this pandering campaign that he's on. We'll, we'll work yeah. on that. But that was the one thing that pushed people too far. And I'm like, have you have you followed Bryce Harper on Instagram? Literally, nothing he does is not with his without his public image in mind. And yeah. not, for that for that matter, nothing that any celebrity does on Instagram is not without their public image in mind. Philly raised little man will be. <laughs> Why is he talking like Yoda? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hashtag baby Harper. Do 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 do. Can you just do a re- Can you just read the whole caption for me? Just dramatic. I'll put some like weirdly like epic music underneath you. <laughs> I, th- I mean, that's basically it. He just goes, "Philly Ray is little man with B will be one hundred baby emoji <laughs> hashtag baby Harper." <laughs> hashtag baby Harper is going to be something that he like uses like throughout this whole pregnancy and once the baby happens, but it's like no. Nobody is ever going to click on that hashtag and look at all your photos. I know. So I don't know why he's trying to make that a thing. I, <laughs> however, there are other people who are using that hashtag to talk about hashtag baby Harper. This is a, uh, there are 38.7 thousand posts with the hashtag baby Harper. And uh, most of them are just babies named Harper, but there are some just like Bryce photos on here. Alex, were you offended by the Instagram post, the coordinated Instagram post? I was incredibly offended that he <laughs> um, posted about a really happy moment in his life uh, that coincided with another really happy moment in his life. Frankly, uh, it was really exploitative for him to post about those two things at the same time. I think so, too. People shouldn't enjoy things, you know? Yeah, they really shouldn't. Shouldn't flip their bats. Shouldn't celebrate their kids. Let's move on to something that I actually was offended by. Are you ready to talk serious? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Um, The Atlanta Braves, fun young team full of exciting superstars, um, just recently signed one of those superstars, Ronald Acuna Jr., to who who you'll remember they manipulated his service time. And it was a big point of contention last year. Just signed him to an extension that it's like... There's like a, a lot of weird terminology in it. Not not that weird, but a little bit confusing. Uh, it's eight years, $100 million with two team options for the two years after that, for years nine and 10 at $17 million per year, which I imagine they will probably pick up. So it's essentially like 10 years, $134 million, which as was largely pointed out on Twitter over the last week, a gigantic bargain for the Braves. I think this is a large, this dovetails with a lot of the stories that we talked about this offseason where players, and even in the last couple of weeks with all the, this rash of extensions, where players feel like they need this security because 
they're not entirely sure what the free agent free agent market will be by the time they're 30, and they're not sure which direction these labor relations are going. Um, and I think Acuna is a really pointed example of of a player who feels a little bit concerned over the arbitration process, the years of team control, um, having his service time manipulated so that he's still under control from the Braves one year longer than he would have been if he was called up when he was ready. And it all sort of convalesces into like this young superstar who's going to be worth so much more than that to the team. But they were able to sign him to this you know, way below market value because he doesn't see his true free agency anywhere near the horizon. Um, do you, did you have thoughts about this Acuna contract? I mean, it's not good. It's, it's certainly not a good thing in the labor landscape. Um, and I saw a tweet from, I think it was John Bernhardt, mm-hmm. um, who basically said that what this deal indicates is that agents are so certain that there's going to be some sort of labor stoppage that they're actually willing to leave money on the table uh, yeah. in order to be able to like just add this to the docket of reasons why MLB is exploiting players, right? Because like this is an asinine contract, especially as someone who has like already played more or less a full season of Major League Baseball and shown that they are insanely good. Um and this has the potential to take him well into free agency. I mean, so Acuna's 21 years old, so this has the potential to take him to when he's 31 years old, which is bizarre because he's not going to make the money he's worth over the next 10 years and then is going to hit the free agent market at the exact moment that teams are like, we're not going to pay you. Um, now, who knows what the free agent market's going to look like in 10 years, maybe just baseball won't exist anymore and players will be I don't know, playing for free or something. Um, God, but it, it's just, we're playing in space, bro. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I, I think when you look at how good Ronald Acuna could and probably will be and the money that's going to be guaranteed to him over the next eight to 10 years, it's, it's frankly uh, mind boggling. And all I can think of is that like, you know, when the when the CBA expires in three years, like there's going to be a labor stoppage. Like this just feels like the latest example of something that's very sure to come. Yeah, I've been thinking. I mean, I there's a lot going on with this Acuna extension. Like, and one of the factors is that like the security that this provides to is that like the Braves are kind of exploiting the security that this provides to Acuna. And right. and that the players don't have the leverage to necessarily stand in unity because a lot of players are way more privileged than other players. Like, do you remember when we talked to Aaron Dolan and she was talking about how some players can afford and have the privilege to tough it out in the minors for a few years while a lot of other players kind of just have to hang it up because they just yeah. are not making any money? This sort of reeks of that to me. Because Acuna, the Braves signed him to their to their farm system when he was just 16 years old. They paid him a $100,000 signing bonus at 16, and since then he's just been on the regular uh, minor league scale and then the rookie contract scale. And granted, like that's more than most 16-year-olds make. That's more than almost all 16-year-olds make, you know? And there's that trite argument that we hear over and over again. 
But compared to what his value will create for the Atlanta Braves organization over this time period that they've had him signed, which is five years now, which is crazy that he's still only 21, compared to that value, it's literally pennies. And this reeks of that same exploitation of certain player privilege. Like, a lot of players have the ability to, they come from either their parents or former players, or they come from a certain amount of wealth and had the ability to play travel ball growing up and all these different things that we've talked about in the past. And I don't know, Acuna doesn't really have that ability to just hold out and say, no, I, I'm not, no, I'll, I'll give you hell all the way through arbitration and I'll hold out for every single penny. You know, the Bryce Harper model, I'll wait for my 13-year, $330 million contract to come and I'll have Scott Boris negotiate it till the very last, the very bitter end. Like, I don't know, man, Acuna's only 21. Something terrible could happen you know, knock on wood, but something terrible can happen to any player's career. And if Acuna walks away from this with only the couple million dollars that he had from the first five years of his career while he's created, you know, tens of millions of dollars of value for the Braves now that he's this huge, booming prospect as the team is on its way up, the Braves organization, which, by the way, has exploited taxpayers' money more than any other organization in the entirety of baseball. They've gotten two stadiums from taxpayers in the last 20 years. I don't know, man. I, it's, I just find it hard to to reckon with the idea that players will be able to stand in total unity when there are certain players who just have so little leverage when it comes to these things, and there are certain players who have so much leverage when it comes to these things. And that wealth gap and that leverage gap has been designed and exploited by ownership. And yet, so many fans don't even think about it like that. So many fans are just like, well, they're just lucky to be even in the majors making any amount of money to be doing a stupid game. That's true, although I think what what is interesting to me about it is that, like, I don't know, you look up, it, it's really, it feels like those last, like, three or four years of that contract that really make a difference to me. Because, like, that's yeah. going to be his prime. That's going to be, in theory, when he could make the most money in free agency at all. Like, you're going to make more money in free agency at 28 than you are at 31, no matter who you are. Um, and... Or at 25 or 6, like Harper. I mean, he came up early enough to be on the, like, Harper Machado timeline. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, you look at, like, other similar contracts from around the league, whether it's, like, the Phillies signing Scott Kingery or the White Sox signing Eloy Jimenez or the Cubs just re-signed or extended David Bodie to a five-year extension. It's, like, all the rest of these were similarly, like, good, sizable, life-changing amounts of money, even if it's like 30 or 40 or $50 million. Like that's still, that's still objectively a lot of money that can do a lot for someone who has very little. Um, and that's why it's, it's weird to me that you wouldn't point to those deals and say, hey, I want something like that. And rather just be like, well, I want maybe a little more security, but maybe potentially cost myself something down the line. You know what I mean? I just, it's, it's a, I don't know. It's an interesting, I guess, maybe precedent that it kind of sets. And maybe the Braves really did have a lot of uh, leverage in this situation, but Acuna turned down like a, like a 30 million five-year deal uh, last year, I think it was. So I don't know, man, it's a, it's a weird one to wrap my head around. I think we should also note that the concept of buying out your arbitration years is bullshit because arbitration is bullshit. Like, I don't think we should have this whole conversation without mentioning that. 
Like, yeah. players should not have their first seven or whatever years of their career under complete and total team control. And and if they are under team control, then that market should be based on the market of the league as a whole, the arbitration market, not based on the league, not based on the market of arbitration eligible players. So the way that arbitration works is that like you can argue for as much money as you can and an arbiter comes in and says, here were your stats last year. Here's the max you can make. But it's only compared to other players of your age range or it's only on a scale of salaries of other players in your age range. So you can never make what you're actually worth to your team during the years that you're the best. And so when you're 31 and 32, you're trying to argue, you're trying to negotiate with teams to make all that money back. And teams in the in the post-Moneyball era, in the post-dollars-per-war era, are thinking like, you're not going to be worth this to me in the future. I don't really care that you were worth this to the Braves in the past or the Nats in the past or the Orioles in the past. I, I don't really care about any of that stuff. Why would I sign you to this contract when I know that I can just bring up another young dude who throws 98 or who has 80 raw running or 80 raw power and a 60 foot speed? You know, like these teams are so much smarter in terms of player analysis. And now they're finally getting to the point where they understand how to manipulate the salaries and the income of players based on that analysis, where to, to the point where it's like arbitration and like the, the way that the minor league rules are set up now is basically like the main culprit for all of the extension, all of the under all of the free agent undervaluing that we're seeing now. I think almost all of that can be rooted in the fact that arbitration is just a tool from the owners and it's the best thing that ever happened for the owners. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with you on that one. Man, it's 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 bleak when we have to spend the first I mean, it's bleak when we have to spend 15 minutes in the first episode of the new season talking about something like this, but the extension thing, I mean, it's like, it's crazy how many players feel the need to sign these extensions instead of feeling like they're going to get the offers that they're worth to a team when they get to the free agent market. And granted, like, some of the extensions have been market value extensions. Some of them, like, like DeGrom's extension is like, I want to stay in New York. I've done really well here. Like, all that kind of stuff. Like, I'm not, to be clear, I'm not really super mad about extensions like that. But when the Acuna thing happens, it's like, all right, at this point, we're just, completely exploiting the leverage that we have over players like Acuna to then suppress free agent market wage for the rest of the league. Yeah, I mean, you look at it and it's like these teams clearly see some sort of opening because why else would you sign a a guy who's only had a year or two in the league to a five-year contract or something? Like, that means you're basically banking on you paying less over the course of this contract than you would an arbitration slash that first like year or two. Like I just yeah. <laughs> like teams aren't just doing this like willy nilly. Like ah, David Bodie, we'll give you like thirty million dollars. Like I mean, some of these are obviously like quote unquote risks because, like you said, like a player could get injured tomorrow and never play again. But they it's, no, it's not a risk. It's it, not a risk. It's an admittance that. What you were paying before the extension, like it's the admittance that a lo- the lower salary that the player would be getting from arbitration is so much lower than what they're worth that you can pay them the extension and not even bat an eye about it, not even worry that that's more than that's more than you can afford. The fact that teams can sign these young stars to extensions and be like, "This is great for us," 
is just yeah. proof that the rest of the contracts that they're paying the rest of the players is so little money compared to what they're worth to the team. It's insane. It's unfathomable. Like, the, I'm sure the Braves would have been thrilled to, to have Acuna under arbitration salaries, but they don't want to piss him off so that he leaves at the end of it or whatever, right? And so they are willing to meet in the middle and pay him an insanely undermarket extension, which is somehow in the middle. Somehow we've gotten to the point where the labor negotiations are so bad that the middle is an insanely undermarket value contract for Ronald Acuna. And like, I don't totally know how we got here. Like, there are people who know how we got here better than I do, but I just know that we're not in a good place right now. And like you said, this is just more evidence. There's just going to be a work stoppage. Uh, baseball's back, everyone. We're yeah. happy. We're excited. We're uh, back on our bullshit. All right, Bobby, we've yelled about this enough. Uh, as we do on every single podcast. I mean, we'll never yell about it enough, but you know, we've, I don't want to get hoarse too, uh, too early on in this episode. But before <laughs> we move on, uh, I want to, I want to th- throw something at you real quick. Uh, and this is a, uh, just a news bite coming from down on the farm of the Oakland A's. This comes from the Stockton Ports, the A's single A affiliate. And they, uh, they have a new promotion going on of sorts for fans. So, uh, so beginning opening night, fans can pick opponents' walk-up music. And so for $5, you can assign a song of your choice to a random player. And for $10, uh, you can pick the player to which said song will be assigned. And all, uh, all the funds, I guess, go to their um, nonprofit. Uh, mm-hmm. But my question for you is uh, if you had to, to pick a song to assign to a player that you think would be like the most jarring, what do you think that you would pick? Um, so this is a tough question because even if I was following the A's minor league system and the league that they're in or whatever, I don't know that I would know enough about these boring nameless players that are on other minor league teams that I don't know about to yeah. pick the one song that are really cut deepest. I guess the most jarring version of a song that you could pick would probably be, probably be like some screamo song or something like that, but I'm not going to go in that direction. Instead, I'm going to imagine that the player is you, mm-hmm. <laughs> Alex Basley. <Great>. Okay. <laughs> and I'm going to choose the song Shallow from the movie A Star is Born. Because <laughs> 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 I know how much this song bothers you. Every video that I've ever received or taken while Shallow is playing at a party or a get-together of sorts, a a book club meeting, or anything like that. Anytime Shallow comes on, you're just like Jim Halpert staring at the camera, angry. (laughs) For some reason, I don't know why you can't let people enjoy things, but I guess that's just who you are. (laughs) I don't say a word. I just stand in the corner with my drink. (laughs) (laughs) And your arms folded, and you look like a fifth grader who just got told that they don't get recess today. (laughs) That would be my choice. Alex, what would your choice be? My choice for you? No, just in general. You were the one that posited the question in general. But I guess you could make a choice for me if you want. Oh, oh Jesus! I didn't. Uh, well, I didn't think that that hard about it. You didn't um, even think about what song you would choose in general, not for me specific. Uh, well, just in general. Um, I, I don't know. You you want something that like? I mean, it's hard because like it's not going to be playing during their at bat. So like, if you're a professional you're probably not going to let the song get inside your head, right? Like Elvis Anders is able to walk up to Baby Shark and it works for him. Josh Reddick walked up to Careless Whisper and it works for him. <laughs> so like, do walk-up songs even do anything? I love I Josh Reddick. 
I love him too. Uh, maybe uh, Baby by Justin Bieber. Sick. Great pull. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe the the Barbie song would be another one that. Oh, uh, that's you could a good do. one. Yeah. Or uh, or maybe like a like a classical music piece. You know, like something no, by Mar- that would Mozart. get me amped. That would get me amped. Yeah, yeah, that would. <laughs> I'd be so juiced. <laughs> Like Beethoven's Seventh Symphony or whatever the fuck. I don't yeah. know. That'd be sick. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd be ready to go. I would be so ready to go. Yeah. What's the one that you would choose for me? Throw me off the most. Um, I think I would actually maybe go in a bit of a different direction. Yes. And choose a song like uh, like Controla by Drake. Nice. Just because I feel like it would just throw you off enough that you wouldn't really be able to stop thinking about how you just walked up to Controla by Drake and you'd just be thinking about how we danced like idiots to that song like <laughs> three years ago in our dorm room while you were supposed to be writing a final essay or something <laughs> like that. And I showed up late. I showed up in the fourth inning of a Yankees game because we had tickets that night, but I hadn't finished my final. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. that's a good choice. Yeah, I mean, we don't stand Drake on this podcast because he's like a pedophile. It's extremely but, problematic. Know. Yeah. I think one that would really throw me off because I love the song so much, but also it just doesn't put me in the right headspace would be like Total Eclipse of the Heart. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like ready to like bust out in like, you know, high school musical style jumping around the field song. I know. But I just don't know that I can like focus on the pitch. Yeah, the thing about like walk-up songs is like I don't want it to be like too much of a banger or like a song that I like because like I'm just gonna be focusing on that. You know? Like out. you want something, yeah. you want something that can like fade into the background but still gets you hyped. You know, almost that's why I feel like a metal song's kind of cool because like you don't know what they're singing, they're just screaming, and you're just like you're just like chilling with it. Yeah, that's fair. All right, we've gone so long on this opening segment. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna bring. Three up, three down, back from last week. And in the bad times, I fear myself. I'm of the deep, watch as I dive in. I'll never meet the ground. Crash through the surface when they can't hurt us. We're far from the shallow now. In the shadow. Alex, we presented a new segment last week. It's called Three Up, Three Down. And it's basically a list of nine things that we're thinking about in the baseball world that are the most important to us right now. They can be good. They can be bad. They can be trending up. They can be trending down. They can be about our team or they can be about our rival team and can be really anything right now. It's basically just a power ranking of like the people, place, thing, concept, ideas, any of that that matters to us for this particular week. So last week we went over our entire list If you are interested in hearing us talk about it, uh, you can go back and listen to that. Or if you're just interested in seeing what the lists were, there's a post on our website that we will continuously update over at tippingpitches.adivis.com. This week and the weeks going forward, we're just going to give you three new things that are on our list. So three of the three up things. And uh, we are also going to let you know which three things got kicked off the list from the previous week. So why don't we do that first? Let's start with the three things that dropped off your list real quick. Give them to me rapid fire. Matt Chapman's mustache, you're out of here. Partially <laughs> because he shaved it. 
It's gone. Thank God. <laughs> it's literally out of our lives. <laughs> literally. Uh, that two pound Rangers chicken tender, uh, thought about it for about two seconds, but um, I've, uh, I've moved on to the minor league affiliate that put cotton candy on a burger. What's going on in the world? <laughs> sounds uh, kind of good. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, Mike Trout on the Angels forever. Was thinking about it a lot, but the Angels are in last place and they've effectively left my mind space. So. It's just back to where it's always been, which is <laughs> yeah. Mike Trout being on the Angels and us not thinking about it because the Angels are bad and it's in Anaheim, which is a terrible yeah, place. Yep. Pretty much. What are your three off the list this week? Uh, well, my number one last week was the opening day matchup of DeGrom and Scherzer. And it's not really on my mind anymore because it's like <laughs> five games ago and the Mets won because they're yeah. better than the Nats and Jacob DeGrom's the best pitcher in the NL. Uh, another one that fell off my list is good luck charms and superstition. I know last week I promised that I would have my my superstitions hashed out this week, but I I don't and I I don't feel bad about it. I don't really care. So I'm sorry to disappoint you, you all. The Mets are playing really well. I'm still sussing out how I feel about what I, the way that I've been acting while they're playing while they're playing well. Um, so I'm gonna I I will. This will be an unfolding story. This might be just one of those things that I continue to tease forever. The final thing is stolen bases and the people who steal them. And the the succinct version of the reason that this has fallen off my list is because fucking every time someone steals a base, it just goes to instant replay. And we sit there for a long time looking at some stupid-looking coach on the phone deciding if he wants to challenge it. And then he challenges it. And the umpires look at the call from the exact same angle for 10 minutes. And then they decide something that's not even right all the time. So that that's... That that transitions nicely. I'm just gonna steal the show really quick. That transitions nicely into one of my three ups, which is go. frustration over instant replay. <laughs> <laughs> We're professionals here at Tipping Pitches. We think about our transitions. Alex, I'm so mad about instant replay. <laughs> Bobby, tell me about it. The only good thing about the off season is that we don't have to think about instant replay. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's bad. And I, uh, I, I liked your tweet about it, where you, uh, where you lamented the fact that we have to watch basically uh, these, these dudes stand around with headsets, um, talking to someone in an office, chained up in an office somewhere far away, make a, make a call. But what I liked actually even more than your tweet was the, uh, the fact that your ally in the anti-DH crusade came down on the other side uh, of this one, and that's Austin Whatever. Zimmerman, who okay. uh, who was uh, so. I just want to sow the discord there. I just want to. I want you guys at your throats by the end of the year about this, so Listen, that you forget all about your anti DH madness. That's not how this works. Okay, that's not how this works. Yeah, Austin and I can agree and disagree on certain things. We contain duality. Okay. Nope. I'm sorry, Austin. I know you're listening right now. I'm and for anyone who supports instant replay, who's listening right now, I'm sorry. You'd rather watch fucking. <laughs> Bob Melvin on a phone deciding if he wants to challenge a play because he thought that like Adalberto's Mondesi's foot popped off the bag for a fraction of a second. Cool, that's fun. That's totally in the spirit of the game that we all love. Definitely. Love that. God. So <laughs> I'll bad. Just, I'll, unless you keep going, you almost like you were like slipping into a into talk radio show host there like for a doing second. like long pauses <laughs> the, the, the long pauses where you're just yelling into the microphone so I was just going to let you run with it but uh, it's a I, travesty I, <laughs> it's a travesty uh, I'm just trying to watch the game that I grew up loving you know you know I don't I'm, change I'm, my game I'm with you on it I'm I hear you I'm with you I, I, I respect the decision it's every exciting play Alex honestly though in in all seriousness, really quickly, I know we've done 
this rant so many times. And I'm happy to do it every single episode for the rest of this podcast. But truly, every single bang bang play, every exciting baseball play, all the moments that you watch, a baseball game is basically a negotiation for watching the slowness of it for the excitement of the bang bang plays, right? So you watch the the one-two cutter that misses outside so that in an inning from now, you watch all of those one-two cutters that miss outside so that in an inning from now, you can see a bang-bang play at the plate that might decide the game, right? That's that's the beauty of the rhythm of baseball. That has been completely fucked by instant replay, Alex. Completely fucked! Because now every time something exciting happens, we get the close-up shot of the stupid-looking manager in the dugout on the phone, and we get the announcers being like, is he going to challenge this? Is he going to challenge this? I, I'm Alex, I think he might challenge this here. What are you thinking, Alex? Alex, do you think he's going to challenge it? So we have a fucking negotiation about whether he's even going to challenge it before he even decides to challenge it. Then once he decides to challenge it, which they always do every single time because it's the right play for the manager to decide to challenge because all of these plays are high leverage. Then once they decide to challenge it, the announcers are just sitting there stupid because they don't know what to say because you're seeing the same angle. Nothing is more definitive than the very first time you watched it. And they're just sitting there stupidly being like, yeah, I think he's out. Alex, what do you think? I mean, I personally think he's out. But then again, they could call him safe. I don't know. What do you think? I thought out at first. But, you know, I'm sort of thinking safe. When I originally saw it in full speed, thought safe. But now I think out. Alex, what do you think? It's just, what are we doing here? Why? It's not worth it. Just make the play, make the call in the field. I don't care. Imperfection is beauty. That's my take. I'm done here. <sighs> Sorry, I just went to the bathroom real quick. Uh, uh, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Uh yeah, agree with uh, a <laughs> agree with all of the above. I don't think I need to add any more to that. You uh <laughs> you did your rant for the both of us and I, okay. I appreciate that because I I didn't have anything more to say. All right, give me one of your three ups. All right, let me give him one of my three ups. Uh, I need I need like I need like a Xanax. So I'm just yeah, gonna run real yeah. quick and grab one. All right, sounds good. Well, you're not gonna feel any better after this. Uh one of my uh my three ups this week, as in things that I've been thinking a lot about is the, uh, the anonymous quote that Sports Illustrated published uh, from a major league scout talking mm-hmm. about Phillies center fielder Odubel Herrera. This is a good one. Well, good's one way to describe it. I mean, this um, is a good thing to add to your list to think about because <laughs> yes, all people should be thinking about how racist anonymous <laughs> scouts are permitted to be by legacy media. Yeah, so this came, uh, this came sometime last week around the start of opening day as Sports Illustrated was publishing their team previews for the 2019 season. And, uh, and in the Phillies 2019 season preview, there was a... Uh, there was a question posed to an anonymous scout that was name the guy or guys on this team you would never want in your clubhouse. And, uh, and so the scout responded. Uh, That's a racist I, question to begin with. The premise yes, of that question is generally yeah, exactly. just racist. Like you're never going to get a good answer out of this. Like as a fan, this is not going to tell me anything. Um, but No one's going to answer and be like Whit Merrifield would hate to have that guy in my clubhouse. Yeah, right. Um, so the answer, uh, as this scout said, under full anonymity for some reason, uh, was uh, Adubal Herrera. And he went on to say, I, I mean, this is just like a cornucopia of all the racist tropes that we talk about on this podcast. I mean, seriously, he checks every box. Listen to this. I'm an old school guy who likes guys who run balls out and run off and on the field and are focused on playing the game r- the right way. Ding. He's the antithesis of Brett Gardner. Ding. 
He's that like one a clown. is crazy to me. That's, I know, right? <laughs> He's like a clown. Woof. Uh, from what I understand, it was a controversial signing internally because none of their baseball people could stomach him. But Matt Klentak liked him because he's a likable goofball kid. Ding. Uh, so they ended up putting the cash in his pocket, and what they've gotten out of it is a fucking dog who's hurt oh, them no. more than helped them. I. I don't even know that I really have a coherent take on this other than this is insanely racist. And why, why would you think that this is an okay thing to publish in your season preview? Like you're just going to like sick this team's fandom on a Latin American ball player for no other reason than the fact that he plays the game differently than the white players do. Like, literally oh, that's like they said like it that's, they said the yeah. they said the the whole thing was the quiet part out loud they said yeah, they compared exactly. him to Brett Gardner who yeah. everybody literally rants all the time about how he plays the game the right way yeah exactly like literally said the words he's not focused on playing the game the right way <laughs> like come on dude like did you just listen to tipping pitches and you were like i just want to piss them off the most like i <sighs> wow you think so highly of us <laughs> i know i really do I, this is, I mean, this is obviously an insane thing to say, an insane thing to publish, but like, I suppose if there's any value in this at all, which mm-hmm. like there's very little to none, it is that I think it just goes to show the amount of people in baseball who genuinely think this way about players, because I would imagine that this scout is far from the only person who thinks these things. And if it extends to other scouts, then it probably extends to other front office people as well. So if anything, it did its job in exposing how um, how much front offices and teams treat these players like they are just objects to be disposed of. Um, but... It's uh, it's certainly not a good look, as I would say. And Sports Illustrated eventually uh, cut down the quote to exclude uh, most of the racism. So that's uh, so they just cut them. the quote entirely, <laughs> more or less. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not surprised that Sports Illustrated ran this quote, especially since just mere weeks ago, their head baseball columnist, the man who started this show off, Tom Verducci wrote a, a similar sentiment about Manny Machado and then anonymously quoted an executive that had the same sentiment about Manny Machado not being a leader for guys like Fernando Tatis and Francisco Mejia and Jonathan Lucchese and all these young players that are now coming up in the Padres farm system. It just it just the same concept, man. This is all the same. It's all it's all similarly racist against players who are not white and cops. Like Brad Gardner. I mean, it's just, <laughs> we don't need to continue to beat this dead horse. No, we don't. Uh, moving on from uh, from that lighthearted uh, note, what's your number two? My number two is spending $100 on food at a ballpark. And it's not really, I mean, it's funny, but it's not really on any lighter note, to be honest. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's right in line with the inaccessibility of baseball that we've talked about a lot. I, I went to Dodger Stadium as I said, I was going, and I was so happy to go there. And if some listeners who listened last week, shout out to y'all, will remember that one of my one of the things on my list, and one of the things that continues to be on my list this week, is having a reason to leave the house. Um, 
the reason to leave the house continues to dwindle the longer the season goes because you just spend more and more money. And it's not like I have all that money to throw around. And I just went, I mean, you know, baseball games are conveniently at dinner time. So I went straight from work to the game and ended up spending like straight up $100 just to eat an amount of food that would sustain me through the 13 inning game that I ended up watching. So yeah, yeah the question back is, in my did life. You get a, did you get a burger? The question is, did you get a burger with cotton candy on it? Because that's the only acceptable uh, circumstance under which you could spend $100 at a baseball stadium. I did not get a burger with cotton candy on it because I was not high. <laughs> so, uh, no, I got two Dodger dogs and fries. Were they good? And a beer. And I think, I think that's it. I don't know if I actually spent $100. But, you know, they had tacos, too. We got some tacos. Yeah. Was it worth uh, it? I mean, it's no. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> is worth $100. I mean, no one meal is worth $100 in actuality. So, no. But, I mean, yes. It was great. Having a Dodger dog at a game, spitting seeds is fantastic. Of course. Had a great, grand old time. But back to our original point that games are inaccessible. That's the reason for dwindling fandom, not like the extra four minutes. I don't know. Um, all right, Alex, your second one. Uh, you know what I've been thinking a lot about lately, uh, especially within the last, say, 72 hours or so, is Ramon Laureano's right arm. Yeah. Oh, my God. This dude has a cannon. And I know that we knew that, but he threw out Xander Bogarts from center field at third base and home plate on back-to-back nights. Holy shit, dude. It's not fair. He also just homered too, so like he's good at other things as well. But he is acutely good at throwing a baseball hard and Exactly far. where it needs to go. <laughs> and exactly where it needs to go. Like his throw from uh, the first night, the first game against them, where he um, shot... Xander Bogarts at home from deep center. I mean, it, it was like it was like 92, 93 miles an hour. Like the A's need pitching. Just put Ramon Laureano out there if we're being Honestly, completely honest. Or call Jesus Lazardo up. That'll help my fantasy team. Yeah, uh, except he's injured right now. So. Yeah, I know, I know. Shoulder inflammation or whatever. Yeah, what is what is that? You don't need a shoulder to pitch. You honestly don't. No. That's a good one. Laureano is such a such a treat. I I'm already lamenting the fact that teams are just going to learn that they should never run on him, so he's not going to get this chance to throw people out anymore. I know, right? That happened yeah. with Puig early on in his career, where he had a lot of highlight gun downs, and same with Cespedes, and now teams just don't run on these guys. Yeah, but I feel like I feel like you'll come across enough uh, people who trust their legs more than they uh, trust Loriana's arm, and they're just going to be made foolish in the end because we're all made foolish in the end if we're being completely honest. <laughs> We all die. Uh, it, it's kind of statistically improbable how many highlight throwouts he's had. <laughs> I know, yeah. People don't really get this many chances. Yeah, highlight throwouts per game. Like, he's played, <laughs> like, essentially half a season of baseball, and he has four that I can think of off the top of my head. That are just, like, all-time throws. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, from the warning track fucking throws. Yeah. It's 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 crazy, dude. That that would be a good that would be a good stat to cite if either of us had taken him on our gift team. Yeah, true. Well, honorary gift member. So true. 
the gift member of our hearts, you know? Yes. Yeah, exactly. All right. Ready uh, for my last one? Yeah. Give me your last one. Okay. My last one, It. Um, I, wa- I kept wanting to bring it up while we were talking about Bryce Harper, but I wanted to save it for the three up, three down segment. My last one is conflicted rooting interests mm. because I've been watching the Nationals Phillies series, of course, because I got to support our man Bryce and I, I care about the fate of both of these teams because they're in the Mets division. And yesterday, I really wanted the Phillies to win because I wanted to stick it in those dumb Nationals fans' faces who I was ranting about at the beginning of the podcast. And today, I kind of wanted the Nationals to win because I was on, I was on, I hate when people do this on podcasts, but I was on Slack all day at work and whatever. And we have so many Phillies fans on staff and they're all just giving me so much shit because not only are the Phillies finally good again, uh, the Mets are also attempting to contend and I'm loud about being a Mets fan and I picked the Nationals to go to the World Series. So I'm getting it from all corners of the world and the internet and and karma and everyone was just being like, oh, look how scared he is of the Phillies. Blah, 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 blah. They're finally good again. And so I started just shit-talking Reese Hoskins and the Phillies in general and Aaron Nola, couldn't be my ace, all this stuff. So today I was rooting for the Nationals. And I don't even know what the fuck to think anymore. I guess I should be rooting for the Phillies now because I want the Nationals to lose as many games as they can while Trey Turner is out because he's so good. And when they come back, maybe they'll win more games. It's like... It's like I'm doing like differential calculus in my head as to which team to root to lose. And yeah. it's very strange. Also, throw into the mix that I love Bryce Harper so much. And I just want him to just continue to stick it to everyone who has <laughs> criticisms for him. So it's just like, I don't know what to think. And Bryce Harper was the player who, I think I wrote this in our gift draft, or maybe I said it last week when we were taking play- taking players in the draft. But Bryce Harper was the player who finally finally pushed me over the edge of being able to kind of like root for players on my rival teams because I just couldn't not root for him. And he's like everything that I say that I want from a baseball player, everything that I want them to do on the field, all the antics, all the personality that he shows on the field and whatnot. And he's like a great, he's obviously amazing and talented and so good and everything that him being in this equation is just making it even harder for me. So that's that has shot up my list this week is like having so much conflicted rooting interests. Yeah, um, I I think about uh, a few days ago when the A's were playing the Angels, um, Chris Davis hit a massive home run off of Matt Harvey. And when he hit the home run, I was like, wow, amazing, incredible. I'm jumping up and down in my living room. And then it cut to Matt Harvey staring like forlornly at the ball sailing over the fence. And then he just like hung his head and mm. immediately my heart sank. And I, I was know. like, why do you, why do you ruin this moment for me? Like, why do you just have to make me sad with this? It's, it's hard being a baseball fan. Um, and it it's is. hard being a baseball fan with a conscience who like cares about real people. And, and maybe like, I have a feeling that some of these feelings might change in like four or five months when there are more things at stake. It's very easy to be a baseball fan with a conscience this early in the season because you're like, I just want everyone to do good and have fun. <laughs> and then like in September, you're like, I'd like the angels to drop off the face of the earth, please. Yeah. And you like, never have to face Mike Trout again. Actually, I want Aaron Nola to walk so many batters in a row that he's ne- he can never mentally get on the mound again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's um, hard being a baseball fan with a conscious is just the tagline of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're not wrong. I have a really hard time with that too because I 
I have adopted the A's because you're my best friend. But also, I love so many different teams in the AOS, you know? How can I root against Mike Trout, the greatest baseball player of all time? How can I root against the Astros, who have weirdly become the evil empire, but also have so many players that I love um, and have so much talent that it's like, wow. You know, I've always been a sports fan who likes to root for dynasties, likes to root for greatness, that kind of thing. It's why I jumped on the LeBron train. It's why, you know, it's why this doesn't apply to the Warriors. Don't get your hopes up. But it's why that I've I've just kind of like never really found it in my soul to just completely and totally despise what the Yankees are because I just like to see great collections of talent doing great things because I love baseball so much and that's what the Astros are. And so to have those two teams in the same division as the A's who I want to root for because I want you to be happy and when the A's are bad, you're so sad. And then also the Mariners who have so many fun players, D. Gordon, uh, you know, King Felix for a lot of our childhood, all this stuff. So Ichiro for so long, like it's, it's you know, it's tough. It's tough out here in these in these streets, man. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, while we're talking about baseball fans with a conscience, I'm gonna have to uh, to bring us down off of cloud nine a little bit here for my last one because this one's a decidedly not a uh, good one, um, and it connects to something actually that was on my list last week, which is a uh, collusion. It's a thing that's that's a uh, it's going on, and uh, and there was a news article. There's a news article that came out this past week. About how MLB, uh, in a uh, in a private owners meeting every year, the uh, 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 MLB uh, gives out a uh, a pro wrestling style championship belt to the team who uh, who depresses salaries <laughs> the most God. in arbitration each year, and God. <laughs> they are so cartoonishly evil. I was just going to say, they're mustache twirling, fucking tying people down to the railroad evil. It's like, Jesus Christ. Like, how can, can you, I don't even know how to articulate this. <laughs> Wrestling like, style belt to the team that steals the most money from the people who deserve it. <laughs> God. The fact that there was not a single person in the show. I mean, maybe it's not surprising, but I think it's a little surprising that there was no one in this room who was like, you know, someone's probably going to find out about this, right? <laughs> and they were all like, nah, we'll be good. <laughs> we're fine. Just living their lives with a straight up n- zero impunity. Like, like wow. <laughs> like, I can't even with this. I We've already talked about baseball's labor enough on this podcast on this episode and how broken arbitration is that like we don't need to retread that same ground but oh my god you guys get it together please like at least try to make it look like you're not stealing from players i or honestly just don't at this point yeah just, right that's what i was just, just send a, right send send around the memos of like how much you steal each year and just make it easier on all of us. Yeah. When the fucking lawsuit hits, you know? Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm sort of surprised that like no owners have like, it's not, it hasn't come out yet that an owner has like a Ben Affleck style back tattoo of like John D Rockefeller with like capitalism written in script underneath it or anything like that. Like I'm waiting for the moment where it's just like someone gets a knuckle tattoo that says like capitalist. (laughs) it really it really is like comical at this point like capitalism is such a disease that like you have to laugh before you eat the rich you know like yeah 
before the guillotine falls, you just have to be like, listen, here's the list of things that you did that was so fucking funny that we wanted to tell you about before you die. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, Rob Manfred is somewhere stroking a, a bald cat uh, in his <laughs> swivel chair. Yes, he actually is. Except he's he's not watching baseball tonight. He's just reading a book about law. <laughs> Probably. Fucking nerd. All right, let's take one more quick break. Uh, and then we're going to come back and do some quick updates about the month and days. All right, we're going to keep this to five minutes because... We've gone so much longer than we anticipated, but honestly, anytime that a, an instant replay rant just pops up in the middle of a pod, you just kind of have to let it live. And I, I want to apologize for that. I, I got the ghost of Mike Francesa, even though he's not dead, but the, the ghost of Mike Francesa's relevance came over me really quickly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I had to let it out. Uh, but we're just going to do five quick minutes at the end here about the opening week and our favorite teams, you know, and our real favorite teams, the Mets and the A's. Um, so... Alex, not the fake favorite teams that we drafted five months ago and have subsequently not about. talked about once. <laughs> we've talked about uh, how we haven't talked about them more than we've actually talked about them. So <laughs> Yeah, I know. So go Twins and Giants. All right, let's talk about our favorite teams. Uh, your team is tied right now with the Red Sox, but they have had a convincing series against them so far. Um, and they are in a, in a nice second in the AL West right now after some slow starts from... The Astros and the Angels. Uh, I know you, you. I know they opened up kind of slow with with two straight losses against the Mariners. But since then, how have you f- felt about the Ramon Laureano throws, the Chris Davis and Matt Chapman home runs, the pretty just like historically terrible starting rotation? Where are you at with the A's? A, it's hard not to feel. Everyone overreacts to the first week of baseball, so it's hard not to overreact to the first week of baseball. So, uh, so the A's are just going to win the World Series. Is basically feels like what we're heading to at this point. Uh, I mean, they've won four straight, so like on that pace, they're never going to lose again. I guess that's actually how that works. Yeah, uh, it uh, it feels good, and the players who I thought were going to do well are doing well, and that's enjoyable to watch. I would like to have some pitchers at some point during the year because those are usually just any would be good. If you want to hold open tryouts, that works too. Um, I know my brother's been getting back out there, although he's been doing uh, more hitting than pitching, I think, but I'm sure he can still uh, zing a couple across the plate. So, uh, you know, just give, give anyone a chance at this point. It's Dallas Keuchel or... Dallas Keuchel's like cousin. I really, I really don't care at this point. But at least it's they've uh, they've made it enjoyable to watch, and it's uh, it's worked so far. So uh, so I'm not mad about it. Uh, you said anyone. So in that case, what are you what are you willing to give up for Jason Vargas? <laughs> um, I, uh, uh, I'm sure that we have like a, a Bat Boy or two that we don't need. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh. <laughs> Anything that gets my man Seth Lugo and his and his curveball rotation back in the starting rotation, Hell yeah. you know, give yeah. me that spin rate, fam. I love some spin rate. Uh, how how are you? Uh, how are you feeling about the Mets overall? I feel really good about them. I was telling I you, really this, good about them. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I felt really good about them at the beginning of the season last year. It's only, it's only right that you feel yeah. good about your team for a little while while you're still permitted to. Yeah. Um, I was texting you the other day that I, I just, they have just so many more fun players than they had for like the entire middle hundred games last year. Like Cano is such a delight to watch. He obviously had a really big opening day game. Obviously, Degrom pitched today. We're recording this on a Wednesday. Degrom pitched today and hit a home run today. He had 14 strikeouts. He's doing Bob Gibson shit. I've continued to love to watch him. Yeah, I don't know. Even guys like Keon Broxton are like a nice little wrinkle. You know, like some speed, some toolsy stuff in the outfield, even if that doesn't always mean putting the bat on the ball. Um, I don't know. Rosario is off to a good start. This is one of the things that was on my list. Last, yeah, our, last, our big, beautiful son, Pete Alonso. Oh, my God. I, yeah, I didn't even see. I, I just mentioned a bunch of players, and I didn't even get to Pete Alonso yet, who hit his first career home run. He's He's had so many extra base hits, and he just gets so amped about everything that he does. It's just, like, so pure. I, I love it. I haven't had, I haven't felt this excited to just be... I haven't felt this instantly delighted by a prospect probably since, like, Harvey? I don't know. Because Rosario came up and he really struggled and he had, he looked like he had problems that he couldn't really fix right away and it was going to take a while and it was going to be a project because he had all these chase problems and stuff. But I don't know. Alonzo is just so good at what he's good at, you know? He has so much raw power. He can really just hit the shit out of the ball. He's already hit two of the top six exit velocity hits that the Mets have had since StatCast. Like, it's crazy what he's doing so far. And I haven't felt like a prospect was this ready to go and contribute what they what they were expected to contribute really like since Harvey DeGrom and Syndergaard like those guys so yeah I'm pretty excited but also my reservations come from the from the fact that I've watched the rest of the division a lot and it's it's an insane division that they're in right now it's like one of one of the most stacked divisions that I can remember yeah it's uh it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty ridiculous. Those uh, those Phillies are good at baseball, and frankly, uh, so are the Washington Nationals minus Bryce Harper. Like they're still going to be insanely good this yeah, year. Soto went so hard today. It's, yeah, it's so hard to like really draw any conclusions from anything like six games into the season, which is why most of our conclusions come down to these players are fun right now i don't really know if they're gonna be good or bad but at the very least they're going to put a smile on my face and what what more can you ask for for being really honest yeah yeah we used to live out west in a collective everybody got arrested because nobody wanted to sleep all right well that feels like plenty to do the first week why why you said it best why try to draw further conclusions this early on let's just enjoy what we've been allotted so far um you're going to a game this week right I'm gonna I'm gonna try. Might just uh, might pop over and see the Twins and the Mets. I don't. I haven't bought tickets yet, but I'll just yeah. We'll Snag see. Snag them last minute, man. Yeah, I probably will. Send me a pick. Really sad. You know. Oh, yeah. I'm really sad about it. I know. I'm sorry. I'll tell Pete you said hi. <laughs> You're gonna see Pete Alonso in person before I am in a Mets <laughs> uniform. I guess I saw I saw him when he was in Double A. So yeah, there you go. I'm a real Pete Alonso hipster. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Pete Alonso before he was big. You saw him while he was yeah. still Peter. <laughs> you saw him at a saw him at a basement show in yeah. New Jersey. All right, uh, that just about does it for this week of tipping pitches. Unless you have anything to add, Alex, I have nothing to add. Otherwise, other than the fact that 
I'm really happy that baseball is back. It brings me so much joy. And like just waking up every morning and being like, oh, there's baseball on later today has been a, it's been nice to get used to that again. I truly wake up every morning and I'm like, oh, there's baseball on because the game started like 10 here. It's crazy. Yeah, I, know. I, know. I hate it. <laughs> I'm not used to it yet. I, I'm sure I'll, I'll like it when I get used to it, the flow of it, but I'm a little out of rhythm so far. Yeah, and if you uh, if you missed our season preview last week, also go uh, check that out, and we'll drop a link below. Yes, sounds good. All right, thanks, y'all.